It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible horror movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made a special effect MacGyver style, please send it my way. Have you ever fucked someone so hard that they died and ultimately created a demon bed that eats people? Well, if you had, you'd be in the movie Deathbed, the bed that eats. two short themes in a row how about that eh well when your movie really kind of opens like this you'd have a pretty short theme too i believe funny enough the title card actually doesn't show up in this movie until about 10 minutes into the film i'm not joking here i thought it was gonna be like most films and do a silly little intro and then bam title credits Nope, what we got was the first act of a movie instead entitled Breakfast. I know, it's a film about a bed that eats people and has, I shit you not, acts that are titled Breakfast, Lunch, Dinner, and Just Desserts. The film, directed by George Berry and released in 1977, didn't actually receive a home release until 2004, partially due to the fact that Berry claims to have forgotten that he even made the film. Ain't that some shit. A film so bad that essentially it causes you to forget that you even made it when you wrote, produced, and directed the film itself. What is even more unbelievable is that this is the only film that Barry ever wrote, produced, or directed according to his IMDb page. Like many, and those who listened to the end of the last podcast, I only heard of this film because of the bit by Patton Oswalt talking about the film. I couldn't believe my luck that this was available for free on YouTube when I was first thinking about this podcast, but alas, to my luck, and probably to yours, it's no longer available. Sorry to those that went looking on uh, YouTube for it, but of course, Amazon Instant or Netflix DVD is pretty much the only way you're going to see this. Well, with all that said and done, let's get this people eating bed movie started. We open up to a black screen, which I assume is the bed chomping on people. Uh, after this, as I said before, the title card of Breakfast now pops into frame. We're then introduced to the artist, a man trapped behind a painting in the room of the deathbed. Present behind my painting in this limbo for 60 years now since my death. I think half that time I've spent in listening to that monster snore. <laughs> before going any further, I have to say that the film's coloring really doesn't hold up too well. There are times when watching a film, you can feel the age of the film, and other times it doesn't really feel that old because, you know, well, I should say it actually feels kind of old just because of the props that are used. Uh, you know, like for things, cars or buildings, stuff like that, but the film transfer is actually pretty good. You can go back and say, watch a Dirty Harry, and it, you feel the time, but watching it, you don't really feel like you're watching an old film. This one is definitely the former. It just feels like they found the film and did a really shitty transfer to digital, looked at how bad it was and said fuck it, and left it at that shitty. 
Also, when the artist started talking, I really thought it was the bed at first. I thought it was like an internal monologue of the bed, but alas, it was the dude behind the painting instead. So we go outside the bed's room, and we see a couple walking up towards the house. The first bit of dialogue feels just like the movie looks, a bad 70s porno. I'm afraid. Let's not. Let's go back. Afraid? Uh, what's the matter, baby? There's nothing to be afraid of. Look, I know it was a long walk, and you're probably tired and you've had some second thoughts, but there's nothing to be afraid of. Now, if you really want, we'll walk all the way back. But think about it, huh? Hey, you know I love you. Okay, come on, let's go. Now, I do have to say that I did cut a lot of dead air out of a lot of these clips. Because a lot of them, they'd be talking, and then there'd be like... And then there will be even more talking after that. But there's always these really long pauses in between a lot of the dialogue that goes on. And I, I'm not sure why it does that. Sometimes it's filled up by music, sometimes it's not. Uh, but to make things move a little smoother and to move a little faster, uh, they've been kind of shortened and you know clipped a little bit. So, um, But honestly, I have to hand this to Barry. You know, This is the dialogue that you wrote. Couldn't it be like, a little better. I know it's asking a lot, but seriously, it feels so cheesy, even for 1970 standards. On the plus side, it does look like the couple brought a nice brown bag lunch to have before they get busy. So the boyfriend tries to enter the house, but the bed starts locking all the doors to enter the house. He tries the front door, he locks it before he can open it. He tries the side door, he locks it before opening. He tries the window, he locks the window before he opens it. And determined to find a way in, and fuck. The boyfriend decides to look more around the house to find a better way. The bed, with its magic, I guess, guides them into his basement room. Seeing the bed now and believing that he's going to score, the boyfriend pulls a shiny little candle that looks no much bigger than a votive candle. You know, those small ones, kind of like those glade-scented candles, something like that. And he wants to set the mood. So he pulls out the food from the bag when his girlfriend says that she's a little hungry. And I swear that paper bag must be made from a like disposable paper from that place that Felix the Cat gets his magic bag from. Somehow it holds two apples. Okay, that's fine. A bottle of wine. I can get that too. And a bucket of fried chicken. I'm talking KFC family-sized bucket when it looks like your like, standard medium-sized liquor store bag. Or one of those paper magazine bags that you get. Or like... You know that paper bag that the hipsters give you when you go and buy a record at a record store? It doesn't look big enough to contain something so big and succulent and golden brown. And I say skin is so good. No, no, chicken will have to come later. You're in the middle of a podcast about a bed eating pee. Hey, the bed started eating the goddamn food. I mean, yeah, the girlfriend was getting excited and all. Oh, Frank. And they started making out. But that shit is rude, bed. Now you're drinking their wine and eating their chicken? I mean, she sounded so excited there. And she just wanted to get it on. But she was hungry. Now you're eating their chicken? What the fuck, bed? What the hell is going on? Well, at least you have the decency to return the apple core, empty wine bottle, and chicken bones inside the bucket, mind you, to this happy couple. And now when the girlfriend finally decides, no, she wants to have some food, the boyfriend finds out that it's all been eaten. Something's wrong. I I must have made a mistake. Don't worry. I wasn't hungry. 
Yeah, she's not hungry for that food. She's hungry for that dick. Am I right, fellas? Fellas? Fuck, they left me again. All right, well, he takes her top off. Yay, boobs. And they get to some heavy petting. Suddenly, there's like this foam that starts to form. And the begin the, the bed begins to eat the two of them by dissolving them or digesting them. And I should mention that the foam showed up, too, when they were looking, uh, when he was getting the food from them. And I guess he was still hungry, so he's got to eat these people, too. And, well, hold, I, also, he can't eat the chicken bones. And the way I mean he, the bed can't eat the chicken bones because it spit them back up. Uh, and the apple core, too. But he can dissolve these two people completely? What a dick that bed was. Hey, look, I hate your food, assholes, and now I'm going to eat you. So after eating him, the bed makes itself. Fuck. You know, I really need one of those. Oh, and we finally get the title sequence. So after the titles, we get a little history of the deathbed itself. Sir, you haven't eaten for ten years. Ah, don't complain to me. I didn't clap myself into this corner. If you weren't so greedy, you wouldn't have eaten everybody who came into the house. Now the estate bears such an order of misfortune for all the unexplained disappearances. No one wants to come here. That's it. Take it out on the house as if it was responsible for your idiocy. But instead of petty vandalism, why don't you put your dim mind towards concentrating your incredible power to destroy the entire structure? So, I, it's not really so much history of the bed as it's more of the guy talking shit to the bed. And during the sequence, kind of there in the beginning, there's uh, like these spinning newspaper headlines that kind of go out and they talk about how the bed, uh, you know... Well, not it's not. They don't know about the bed. They're just basically saying that there's these people that they're missing, right? And it's unexplained of what's going on. And and uh, even the mayor goes out. And it's probably my favorite little cue card that they do. Is it says you know, the mayor asks for some answers, and then the next one it's the mayor is now missing because the mayor got eaten by the bed. And so you know he starts uh, just talking shit to the bed. And basically tells him that he uh, needs to tear the whole damn house down. You're an utter fool. For all your powers, limited only by your stupidity, you can't move. Now there's nothing left except your grim little cellar in which you buried yourself. Alive. Forever hungry. You know, that artist's voice reminds me of something. I can't put my finger on it. That's it. He reminds of Ewan McGregor, acting as Obi-Wan in the Star Wars prequels. Damn it, now I'm never going to get that out of my head for the rest of the film. Alright, Obi-Wan, I mean, uh, the artist uh, basically goads the bed into destroying the house, right? So, bed mad, bed smash, Now, what a pussy of a bed. Can't take a little shit-talking from a guy trapped behind a painting. So, now the bed's, uh, the house is completely gone, right? And just like the artist had said, it's just left with the cellar there on the property. There's no building, there's no nothing. Uh, and then we get uh, to meet some of our characters uh, of the film with three girls that are pulling up to the house. A gangster owned this mansion years ago. One day he just disappeared, probably at the bottom of some river. A friend of mine, she's a lawyer, is liquidating what's left of his estate. That's how I got permission to use the place. I was telling her how I wanted to get out of the city, and she offered me the use of it. She's never seen it herself, but she said it was once quite the place. Why does this lady remind me of Brown? She just reminds me of Pam Greer, I guess. 
Well, she's got two other girls that have come along for the ride. One of them is Susan, who's not feeling too well, but decided to come along anyway. I feel so awful. I shouldn't have come along. It's my own fault. I invited myself along. I only know Diane from work. I shouldn't push myself on people. They ignored me all the way up in the car. Except when Diane made fun of me. And how did Diane make fun of her, you ask? Why Foxy, also known as Diane, but I'm going to keep calling her Foxy, uh, said that her nightgown wasn't the right type for the country. Oh no, not that. Why talking bad about a girl's nightgown is a reason to slaughter them all. Listen to the voices in your head, Susan. Kill them all. They decide to search the grounds for the house uh, that they cannot find since the bed has knocked it all down. The bed somehow senses that the girls are investigating the grounds and begins to lure them towards him. While walking around, they find a set of graves. And I should actually mention that there's another girl with them. Her name is Sharon. Uh, And actually, I should also mention that I got a little confused before. Uh, See, they don't say it very often, but uh, one of the girls, her, you know, I thought the, the, the foxy girl was... Sharon or Susan that turns out to be the other girl I thought she was Sharon and now we've got uh Sharon is actually this other girl that rarely talks in the movie but uh I digress so uh while walking around these girls they find a set of graves Foxy claims that there should be a house since the graves are actually here The camera goes underground for a moment, and it shows a woman sleeping below, still whole. It's kind of weird, because it looks like the body is actually still breathing, though I'm pretty sure she should be dead. Also, the headstone, it looks really old, so how is this woman still pristine? I guess we're going to find out sooner or later. The group eventually finds the bed's room, which happens to still be uh, set up down there. So as they search the room... The artist uh, looks through his painting and sees Foxy, wishing he could warn her. Young lady, if you could see as fast as fast could be, and if I could talk beyond my painting to warn you, it'd still be too late to avert the horror that awaits you. They plan to spend the night in the room, but Susan doesn't really want to share the bed with those two. She claims that she can't sleep well at night, so that she'll sleep right now, and when they go to sleep, she'll stay up by the fire and read a book while, you know, they're sleeping on the bed and don't forget susan to kill them all kill them all and the artist actually does realize that uh the third girl sharon like i said doesn't really seem to talk at all uh is actually freaking the bed out and he can't quite figure out why it's been such a time since your last meal why do you hesitate the bed seems so excited to eat all the girls when it first uh well sense them i i should say But for some reason, he's only scared of this one, not Foxy or Susan. I wonder if it's because he can't tell if she's a dude or a woman. I seriously thought it was a dude for the first time because most of the shots of her were from far away. But then when there was a close-up, I made boobs out underneath her shirt. And I realized I was an idiot. So Foxy and uh, Sharon decide that they're going to leave and search the ground for some, uh, some more while Susan takes a nice little nap. And she decides that the best way uh, to take a nap is that if she changes into her nightie before going to sleep, which causes the bed to get a little bit uh, excited.
add here that most people I know wouldn't get really changed to go to sleep in the middle of the day. Maybe it's the times, or maybe I'm lazy, but if I plan to take a nap or sleep in the middle of the day, I just sleep in what I have on. I realize that this is just another reason uh, in this movie to have some sort of nude scene, and for the bed to possibly audibly jerk off like you heard there. Still, it's kind of a weird scene, and I'm not sure if it really needed to be added. Well, once Susan is dressed, she looks into a mirror that she brought with her when it suddenly cracks. She finds it kind of odd, but then just is like, meh, and goes to sleep. As screwed up as it seems, or as she seems, I should say, she's not very aware of her surroundings. I know at this point that she's going to die, but the film keeps giving her these like internal monologues throughout the beginning of the film. It made me think that she could be the heroine of the film or just the main focus, but then she just gets set up to die. It's To make things more confusing, the film cuts between this scene and an old woman uh, talking to this guy about Sharon. I guess she runs away often and this is her brother who's now being tasked to go find her. Why is this even in here? Is it going to actually go somewhere? Because it really feels out of place in this movie. So we cut back to Susan who is trying to sleep, but the bed has started to give her nightmares. Nightmare, she's kind of sitting alone in a room and kind of like talking to someone. When all of a sudden, we see what her nightmare is. Oh my god, I can't believe it. It's actually... No, no, it can't be. It's serving plates! What's so scary about that? Oh, it must be what's underneath the plate that's scary. See, there's that thing on top of it, and I didn't realize, okay, let's see what it is exactly. What? It's a plate of bugs. She's afraid of eating a plate of bugs? Get that bullshit out of here, Barry. My cat can write more terrifying things about a vacuum than this lame plate of bugs. Oh, poor me. I have to eat these creepy crawlies. Suck it up, buttercup. There are people in other countries who eat that shit for breakfast all the time. So as she's having her nightmare, the bed's breathing and creep factor intensifies, and it begins to saw at her neck with a ne- with her own necklace. And you can tell that this thing isn't really afraid, uh, or at least they're trying to show you, oh, it's not afraid of religion, because she's wearing a cross, and it pulls the cross actually into it, and then it, like, saws at her neck and moves the necklace back and forth, back and forth. The effect is pretty shitty, and it doesn't really even break the skin, although her feet start to bleed, which... It makes no sense at all. Like, so if I start pressing down on your neck and start sawing through, your feet are going to bleed? Huh? Well, the bed then does the next best thing and sucks all her clothes off, uh, giving us yet another nude scene, uh, and then begins to foam around her naked body, slowly sucking her to the bed. The effect here also sucks, no pun intended, and we see her go into the yellow water to slowly be digested to death. Uh, Well, actually... It's not that slow at all. It seems slow, but she goes from, like, flesh to a skeleton with hair relatively quick. Hold on. Hold on. So, again, it can dissolve flesh and fruit, but not hair and bones. And it also dissolved the first couple since we don't see any bones around there at all. I have to assume that that's true, or there would be some remnants of the deceased. Maybe it can pick and choose what it chooses to dissolve? So, okay, well, the film then cuts uh, to below the ground where we see a skull with roses popping out from it uh, on the surface. The artist gives us a little more insight into what's going on. You're giving the others a present. A kind gesture. 
roses growing out of their companion's skull. You aim for the grotesque. You're nothing if you're not grotesque. Except hungry, of course. Oh, so he can place his garbage anywhere? You know, how many weird powers does this demon bed actually have? What's next? We have the power to write like a suicide note. Dear friends of missing person, I sorry, but no can live no more. I have jumped off cliff. Signed, not the bed who actually ate her. You know, I'm pretty sure if it did write a note like that, the characters in this film would be like Scooby-Doo NPCs and believe it. I, I just, I, I don't understand what's what's going on. And then, so, you have to imagine that the skull's in the ground and the flowers are growing out of the skull and they're, they, they were the white ones. She had brought flowers with her uh, and they were the white ones that she brought, but they turned red with her blood um, when they're growing out of the ground. And I do, I understand the grotesque remark, uh, that the artist was saying, um, the fact that these people are picking these beautiful flowers, uh, that are made from their dead friend. It's more of a joke, like ha ha grotesque than anything else. Um, so we go back to the other two girls who have also brought lunch this time in a basket. And yet, they have wine. Why does everybody have wine readily available on them? Again, we cut back to Sharon's brother still trying to follow her trail and talking about, no, I haven't eaten lunch. And Won't you be surprised when his role in this film is completely useless? Uh, what's even funnier is that the actor who played this worthless part got second billing in this movie. Second fucking billing! Even the voice of the artist who's in this more than the movie got fifth billed before Susan's actress... Uh, after this pointless scene, goes back to the girls eating for a bit. At least they got cheese for that wine. There's also a very silly shot following this of the bed drinking a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. I know it's supposed to be gander for a laugh. Ha ha ha. Susan made his stomach upset. But it's really silly and dumb. I mean, maybe for the time they thought, oh, this would be fun and funny. And maybe it just doesn't work as well nowadays. It just seems like cheesy and cheap. Or it could have been that stupid and dumb uh, back in the 70s. We then uh, begin to go deeper into the story of the bed uh, through the artist. The gifts you give to me. The rings and other jewelry of the victims you've gobbled up before my eyes. One of these rings may contain the answer. So it shifts to flashbacks of people that the bed has killed over the years, starting with the priest uh, who the bed eats. It then cuts to an old lady who happens to be reading a lesbian magazine who i guess was eaten for her beliefs there's a long segment about a doctor or something uh, or like a bed salesman i I didn't quite get what what it was it may have been a bed salesman that was posing as like an herbal type doctor um who used the bed as some sort of new age medicine but also pimped out his mistress at one point he gets the bright idea of putting the bed outside of the house and hooking up some electrodes to the bed to give it more healing properties, both being outside and with those little electricity jolts uh, to the mattress. Also, it should be noted that his mistress should not be out in the sunlight at all. She is not attractive. Why would you pick that person to do that role? And at one point this doctor salesman guy also decides to have an orgy with a bunch of people which excites the bed to no end, and he ends up eating the whole damn orgy party. Now, since it was put outside, when the bed was found after killing the orgy party, it was placed in the basement, and that's how it came to reside there. It then cuts to now some gangsters, who used to use this place as a hideout, and they're playing cards. 
While playing, the bed manages to change one gangster's cards to read, Ha ha, you are dead, with the last card reading, No Joker, as a Joker. Originally, he looked at the hand, and it was like just random cards, and then it became four aces with those words, and the last being the Joker. Then it starts to eat the other gangster, who begins to shoot the bed with just noise. No flashing lights or anything looks that looks like a bullet is being fired from a gun, other than the guy moving the gun up and down like he was firing it. He's eaten and the other gangster grabs a gun and shouts something kind of inaudible. Now, it's either that he's got a very bad mobster accent or I can't quite make it out, but I believe he says, Hey, yo, I'm being eaten live here. But, again... Not quite sure. It's close enough, though, so let's roll with that. So after seeing the gangster being eaten, we then uh, get to actually focus on the artist himself and what happened to him. Then there was myself. I was dying of consumption in you. (laughs) Surrounded by my paintings, I decided to draw my deathbed. You resurrected me behind the painting. Was it because I was diseased flesh you didn't want to eat me? Or maybe you wanted company? I've been in this horrid void ever since. So if I get this straight, he was dying from consumption. And I always forget exactly what consumption is. Um, I know it's a sickness, that they what they called it back in the day. But I don't want to say like, oh, it was the plague or something like that. Uh, and so he drew a picture of the bed. It was, you know, his death, but he was dying in that bed. Uh, and so the bed then actually ate him, or at least put him in the liquid, right? And he found out he was sick. He put him behind, or rather inside the painting, if you really want to be technical about it, uh, to keep him company throughout the years to watch him be a gluttonous pig eating people. Why? Why would it do that? Will it ever be explained? How did this bed even come to be? Go all the way back before the rings to the beginning. Could it concern she who lies in an unnatural state like myself? The one who died to give you life? A demon residing in a tree, on a whim, changed himself into a breeze. While in this state, he drifted one morning by a young maiden. He circled around and back, surrounding her in his form. Gently, he blew through her hair her mind, and her dreams. For her seduction, he decided to create a bed, unique for the occasion. He called to her, knowing she had to come. He took a human form, except for his eyes, for a demon's eyes are always filled with blood. But something tragic happened. Though he was a man in shape, he was still a demon, unnatural to her, and she died. This was not his plan. He was truly saddened. His eyes turned cold, Shattered in their grief, tears of blood fell onto the bed. He fled, seeking shelter in a barren tree, and has stayed there to this day. The blood left behind took root into the bed, and from this root a life sprang, and with this life, a hunger. Um, so... Okay, let me now understand this one. So there's a demon, who was a tree, became wind... To move around, or travel, and saw some chick. And he was like, hey yo, you're sexy. And he became so horny for her that 
he constructed a bed, became a human, seduced her, fucked her so hard that she died, or, like, this is some, like, Twilight-type bullshit. Well, maybe Twilight got it from this movie. Hey, Barry, there's, maybe that's your legacy. Um, she couldn't stand or, or handle a demon having sex with her. Killed her through the sex. Then, because he killed her, his eyes shattered, which caused tears of blood that fell onto the bed, and that blood helped create a demon bed that had an insatiable hunger. And that woman in the ground from early in the film is the same girl that was fucked to death by said demon? What the fuck, Barry? This is the story that you want to tell? Really? Now you're going to tell me, well, hey, hey, Barry, when can they kill such a type of, like, demon bed? Only once in every ten years does a demon sleep. And when he sleeps, he finds you in his nightmares. Only then do you lose all power, save a little to defend yourself. And I can talk beyond my painting. Oh, please don't let this be some type of shitty foreshadowing. Ultimately, the bed has, like, this insatiable hunger... And eats the dead girl's entire family through flashback. And I'm talking about the one that's in the ground. Not like Susan or anything like that. Though, I guess the girl really isn't dead. Because the bed wants her to stay in that type of vegetative or like suspended state that the artist is also in. But he's, she's just in a coffin and not awake. I, I don't get it. And, and it's like that she's the creator. But she's not really the creator. The demon is. I, I, okay, I don't know. We can, maybe I've found the reason why Barry's only made one film. Well, we return back to the present with a plot device now to kill Sh- uh, Foxy as Sharon runs off into town to see if she can find Susan. I should mention that we've fallen into Act 3, dinner as well. So we've already gone through lunch, we've already gone through breakfast, now we're at dinner. Foxy is in the room with the bed and she starts to drink herself uh, to tire. And, you know, she doesn't change into a nightie, so I guess the bed maybe won't eat her. Uh, And she drinks to the point that she falls asleep while smoking a cigarette or a clove. Uh, She's going to burn that bed if she's not too careful. Of course, she could also be saying, like, fuck yo bed. Uh, The bed gives her some nightmares too, but unlike Susan's, they're really not that bad. Well, they're a little bit freakier than uh, Susan's was. Where have you been? We've been looking all over for you. I've just been here, reading by the fire like I said I would. What have you been reading if we couldn't find you? A book of dead people. I'm in it, and you are too. It's at this point in the film that I had my big realization of the whole movie. Not one person's mouth moves besides Sharon's brother in this whole film. I shouldn't say they don't move, but there are certain characters like Susan. She never moves her lips. The artist never moves his lips whenever you hear him talking. Foxy only really does it kind of towards the beginning and not towards the end. And Sharon doesn't really do it either. She does it maybe one or twice. Hell, even the boyfriend from Act 1, he moved his more than the rest of the cast besides Sharon's brother. It's like the whole film is just 80 yard. Like, they couldn't spend the time to actually have them act out their roles live or record or maybe they weren't recording they were just uh they were filming but they didn't have a sound guy that they could do at this time i know that evil clutch had this too but that film was originally in italian 
and this is from the U.S. It's made in English. It has no excuse to have actual spoken dialogue in the film. What the fuck, Barry? So, at the end of this nightmare uh, with Susan, she sees her face in what becomes reflective paper in this Book of the Dead. And it causes uh, Foxy actually to wake up and realize that she's being eaten by the bed. She struggles to get out as her pants are being painted red by the bed. I would say that she's being digested or dissolved, but she's all in one piece with her jeans just having giant streaks of red paint on it. She can't use her legs now for some reason, but that's about it. I guess that's the extent of that digestion. It doesn't really get rid of anything like the jeans or anything else she's wearing, but she just can't use her legs anymore. She manages to get off the bed and begins slowly, and I mean slowly, pulling herself to the door that the bed has somehow now forgotten that he can open and close. She gets outside when Sharon pulls up, and at that point the bed remembers, hey, I'm a demon, I have superpowers, and pulls Foxy back into the room. Now, for some reason, Sharon was actually able to get back to her from the road when her car broke down, but it, it kind of makes no sense what really happened here. See, Sharon was going to town and the car broke down at some point, but it's not clear if it was when she was uh, going to town or had she already gone to town and now she's coming back. In any case, some sort of like shinin and arrives just in time to fail at helping Foxy. Foxy is swallowed into the bed and Sharon goes into a corner to cry. Sharon's brother, meanwhile, randomly shows up and finds the stalled car and from there is able to get to where the bed is. So, and meanwhile, the bed is going fucking apeshit with Sharon in the room and begins to bleed in the yellow liquid. There's some weird, like, snake thing. Oh, you see it and you tell me what it is. And it's going back and forth with the artist. Sharon's brother pops in and the, begin, the bed again remembers, Hey, I can lock and trap people in this room with me. Sharon tells the brother what's gone on with Foxy and they decide that they need to open up the bed and see if they can get her body out of there. Because, of course, there should be a way if she got sucked into the bed to get her out of it, right? So he grabs a knife from the picnic basket and goes to stab the bed. Like John Carpenter's a thing, but really not as cool, the bed opens up and swallows both of uh, Sharon's brother's hands and the knight knife and slowly starts to dissolve and eat them away. Sharon's brother drops the knife and ends up falling through the bed and he finally is able to pull his hands out of the bed uh, with, you know, Sharon helping but not helping very hard. This gives us the absolute best special effects in the film where the camera shows that all the flesh is gone from Sharon's brother's hands and he's got the fakest plastic skeleton hands i've seen on the screen i mean this is literally you going to like spirit and getting the dumb decoration for your door that cost you a dollar fifty and hey i've got skeleton hands and the entire time that they they end up sitting on screen her brother just kind of like stares at his hands like the rock biter from the never-ending story they look like big good strong hands don't they no they look like piece of crap halloween decorations not big good strong hands so he convinces sharon that he needs she needs to break off his hands since they're not going to do him any good and she obliges tossing them into the fire now i have to say this is probably the only kind of gory part in the film because after she breaks off the hands it kind of spurt a little blood and 
they don't look that bad. I guess most of their makeup budget probably went to that one little section. They fall asleep, and in that hazy state, the demon uh, who fucked that one girl to death, uh, he falls asleep at this point. Oh, God damn it, you fucking piece of shit. Giving the artist time to talk with Sharon. Young lady, I will wake you halfway, for you will not be able to understand. Come to the painting. Touch my hand. And I will tell you what to do. First, take your brother from here. You'll have to hurry before the demon wakes from his troubled sleep. We've also, at this point, gone to the final act, Just Desserts. So the artist is now begging her to get the brother out of the room and to come back so that he's going to explain exactly how to kill this bed. A circle of wood will have to be built on the floor around him where he's rooted himself against attack. Cut a circle of blood to match the one of wood. To complete the circle, find the remnants of a finger from your brother. Take a strand of your friend's hair. These will join the circles. The bed will be forced from one circle to another. I'm afraid I've lied to you, and that I knew you wouldn't be able to survive the ceremony. Another will be needed to destroy it, the one who unwillingly gave it life. Your death will be her life. So in order to kill the bed, Sharon needs to die? And that brings back the girl on the ground to help kill the bed. Okay, so... She's unwillingly becoming a sacrifice. And unknowingly becoming a sacrifice. Is that what you're telling me? And how, pray tell, is this lady in the ground going to kill this thing? Surely by not bringing that demon that loved her out of slumber and then fucking... Oh, god damn it, Barry! Seriously, in order to destroy the bed, the dead love of the demon needs to be resurrected by a sacrifice so that she can go and fuck said demon to send the bed back to hell. How does that even make sense, Barry? The bed believes that the artist plans this so he could keep on living, but it seems that the artist just really wanted to die. Do you think I thought it was just beyond you? Taking me with you unto death is not your revenge, my release. And with that, the bed explodes into flames, and the movie, you know, it finally comes to an end. So do I recommend Deathbed? In a weird way, yeah. Though, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, The one thing I really didn't think about until I began putting this review into words uh, was that the film was not necessarily about the bed eating, but really about the artist getting to die. He's been alive for so long, watching this bed needlessly eat like a dog that is a never-ending free feeder that suddenly gets it taken away. He's disgusted by it, but he knows that he isn't allowed to look away. Maybe it wasn't the bed causing all these people to show up, but really the power of the artist, so that he may one day be able to find someone willing to sacrifice themselves, so he can finally be free of his immortality. Or maybe somebody that he can unwillingly coax into sacrificing herself as well. 
But really, for that to make sense, Sharon would at least have to fight back at sacrificing herself. She'd have to have something uh, that makes her want to do it. Characters would need more depth and a desire or passion to stop this bed. Hell, Sharon could have just left and said, fuck it, I don't need to stop the bed. When the demon was sleeping, she could have taken her brother out there, gone to a hospital, and been like, okay, you're going to live without hands for the rest of your life, but at least you're going to be alive, and I'm going to be alive too. You know, I can live my life, and it'll never come after me, because, you know, I can just leave right now. You know, the demon's asleep, and that's it. You know, the side story with her brother is such a waste of time, too. You know, why does it even need to be there other than to have his hand digested by the bed? And maybe this is something that, you know, she feels like she's saving his life if she sacrifices her. But it's not fleshed out enough. That's my biggest issue with the whole movie is it's just not fleshed out. It would be really cool if the whole story is really truly about the artist and his will you know to finally die because this demon's been keeping him alive but it's just not fleshed out at all i think this is a it's actually a neat idea that could have been expanded with more writing and actual dialogue between the characters something that you know you want to root for i didn't root for anybody at all. I had no connection to any of these characters. And I think part of it was because there was so many internal monologues. Like I said, for the first, I don't know, 30 minutes or the first act of the movie, I really thought that Susan was going to be the main character. How is Sharon technically uh, the main character of this film? Uh, or, I mean, you could technically say that Diane is, right? Diane actually gets, uh, the, the actress that plays Diane gets top billed in this movie. Uh, right before uh, Sharon's brother. And uh, I just, I I don't get that part of this movie. I really want it to be more, uh, like, direct to me, or, or just more, just, just more interactions. Make me care about these characters. Why am I going to be worried that this bed is going to eat these people? I, I'm not, <laughs> I know this isn't like Shakespeare, or it's not... Uh, you know, some highbrow, uh, well-thought-out drama. I know it's a shitty horror movie, but there are ideas here that are kind of neat, and I just wish they had more to it. Uh, and a lot of this inner monologue uh, is present constantly, and that only goes so far. I mean, I just... I, I don't know. I don't know what what else to say about it other than it needs to be fleshed out more. You know, I give the crap factor of this film a three out of five. It's it's bad, but it's not terrible. You know, it's mostly just due to the fact that nobody really ever speaks to each other. The fun factor of this movie for me was a two out of five. It's interesting, but it wasn't so you know so bad that it's good type of horror. It's still bad. It's just, you know, it's got some things in it. And, of course, you know, the gore in this movie, it's a one out of five. There's there's nothing really. The goriest thing are the fake skeleton hands that they get taken off. Uh, you see blood spurting from uh, his, uh, you know, his stumps. And, uh, of course, you know, there is there is nudity in this movie. Not to say that that's a reason that you need to watch the movie. Uh, but that, you know... It seems that they may have gone a little too far to try to maybe up some of it to make it a little more interesting. You know, uh, 
you listen to that uh, Patton Oswalt bit, um, and he talks about, oh, these teenagers that come, they fuck in the bed, they kill them. But that's not really what it is. That's just the opening scene of the movie. Um, since you never really gain more, but you get that cheesy nudity that seems like that's going to be what the whole thing's about. And and like I said before, the effects in this are just bad. Like beyond 70s cheesy bad. So overall, I give this two and a half horny beds out of five. It's not terrible, but it's not so bad that it's good either. It's just meh. With more time and a better script, it could be so much better. I know me saying that it can be so much better about a bed that eats people. Um, you know, yeah, you could make it so much more interesting. That's all. And the fact that the last ten minutes of this film is all that's used to really wrap it up, it hurts the film so much. The middle of this film where it was talking about all the people that it killed, it could have been left out too for more exposition on the artist or the love between the demon and this girl. You could have actually just shown them like meeting. There's a little small clip, but I'd know more about the doctor that freaking set up the orgy, you know, he's got a longer scene and more exposition than the demon that created the demon bed. And I also argue with that one is the artist is constant calling basically the woman in the ground its mother. But you know what? That's not it. That's not its mother. Um, the demon created it. It was the demon's blood. It wasn't her blood. It's the fact that she died and maybe because he left and... Uh, that's all new. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Maybe you guys could tell me a little more if you've seen this movie. Um, I say though, you, do check it out if you haven't. Uh, and, but just know that, like I said before, your mileage may vary. If you're bored in the first 10 minutes of this film, you're not going to enjoy the rest of the movie. I honestly believe that if you haven't seen it yet. Well, for next week, we do have another suggestion. And this comes from listener Scott Crawford. I want you to breakfast. The munchies are here. <laughs> and they want you for lunch. No one kills more tropical fish and live. <laughs> and they want you for dinner. <laughs> Nothing human can be this hungry. <laughs> Munchies, rated PG. That's right, we're looking at Munchies next. I've never seen this before, so I'm looking forward to it. It's a little odd that it's PG, but I have a feeling that it's in the day and age when PG was, uh, or PG-13 still hadn't popped up yet, and things always kind of skated the line between PG and R. Um, kind of like, uh, I want to say, Gremlins was a... Uh, PG-13 movie, uh, or PG movie that should have been PG-13. Or, you know, a better example is going to be The Goonies. The Goonies was PG, and that definitely uh, should have been uh, a PG-13 uh, movie, but wasn't yet quite available yet. So, uh, as always, you can uh, find me and the podcast on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast. You can check out and like the Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash all one word, Terrible Terror Podcast. Uh, and you can email any of your movie ideas to terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com, just like Scott did. Um, and if you want to contact me directly on my personal Twitter, you're more than welcome to. It's at toolbird at T00LBERT. 
And, uh, you know, every time this uh, podcast is off during the week that is off, I do another podcast with uh, my buddy Patrick, and it's called It Be Like That. It is available uh, also on the uh, It Be Like That podcast network that's up on Spreaker, but you can also find it on Stitcher, Blueberry, or iTunes uh, every other week. Uh, Munchies, it is available on YouTube for how long, I don't know, uh, as well as iTunes, Amazon Instant, and through Netflix on DVD, but not streaming. Uh, your best bet is probably go Amazon Instant. Um, I've actually come to really like the service, and nobody sponsors this podcast at all. Um, but I'm very surprised with that service. Uh, it's worked really well for the last two films. Uh, and if for some reason that Munchies uh, doesn't work out on YouTube, I'm probably going to go through Amazon Instant again. And of course, if you're a Prime member, you get access to everything. Um, but definitely... Check out Munchies. Um, I'll be doing it at the same time uh, next uh, before the next episode. And, um, you know, we're thinking of, uh, or I'm thinking of uh, doing a couple of uh, special episodes this year uh, that hopefully will come to fruition, unlike my failed attempt to go see uh, Krampus, which sadly is probably going to wait till Christmas time this year, uh, speaking that we need some more Christmas horror movies. So, Join us next time for Munchies, and uh, I'll see you later. Bye-bye.